welcome to episode 10 of season three of the Read Connected podcast. Now, today we're going to talk about self-care. And self-care is a term that we hear all the time, especially in the United States. It's even a colloquial term that we have been saying to each other forever, ending conversations and interactions by saying, take care, take care of yourself. Or how about the old, don't forget to take care of yourself. I'm sure you've heard these (laughs) adages in many different contexts over the course of your life. We all know it's important, no matter how often we neglect this advice or sometimes push ourselves to our own limits. While the concept of self-care has long been debated, given it can be interpreted in so many ways, today we're going to try to simplify things. It's been a theme of this entire season, and we want to think about how self-care implies that we actively do things that are good for our physical and mental health as well as well-being. On the one hand, self-care can be preventative in the sense that it can help us maintain our health and well-being in the midst of any types of stressors. This comes from the diathesis stress model, suggesting illness comes from struggling to cope and buffer the effects of stress. For example, this model suggests that the more stressful experiences a person endures, the more likely they are to experience mental and physical health issues. However, this model also suggests that there are protective and restorative factors that can help you maintain health despite such stress. Uh, We want to acknowledge that there is nuance to self-care. We don't want to imply that you are responsible for every single aspect of your mental and physical health in terms of how things are going. And nor do we want to imply that your mental and physical health is solely due to whether or not you engage in self-care. You know, it is one factor. It's not, you know, the whole picture. But it's way more complicated than that. And so try to broaden the idea of self-care because um, it is, you know, something you can control. And in life, that's so unpredictable. And there's a lot of things that are outside of our control. Self-care is one aspect that we can integrate into our lives as a way that we can feel more in control of how things are going. And it's not a constant self-reliance, though, at the same time. You know, it could be relying on other people. Relying on other people can actually be considered a form of self-care. Um, So, you know, we don't want you to run away with this episode thinking you got to do everything by yourself to take care of yourself. You know, we do have to rely on other people as well. On the other hand, self-care can also be restorative in the sense that even when we are not healthy mentally or physically, self-care can really help reduce our symptoms and improve our well-being. So not only is it preventative in nature, but it can also be restorative in nature when we are suffering from mental or physical illnesses. In other words, another way of saying that is in some cases, self-care could be both preventative and it can also be healing in some ways as well. In our constant, frenetic, go, go, go society, we're encouraged to work hard, but also take care of ourselves. Is it possible to strike that balance? In my work, I often say that that balance is so hard to achieve. I work towards that every single day. And to find an actual equilibrium and balance on any given day is really a a monumental task, in my opinion. Is there a math equation for that, by the way? I wish there was. It's not like A plus B equals C, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you like to say in our former episode. But, you know, I really think that it is all about aiming for that balance rather than feeling like we have to achieve it. Because if we're constantly putting that pressure on ourselves, it creates an additional stressor that can throw off the balance even further than you're trying to achieve. And some may feel like the rigid structure that allows for self-care in their life with routines, habits, and rituals, uh, it might be helpful and sometimes it might be too much. And my recommendation to the people I work with and my reminder to myself is, 
you know, be, go easy with yourself. Don't feel like you always have to do one thing all the time. Cause that again, creates more stress in your life than less. But for others, some kind of balance really isn't realistic or attainable. And so being flexible in what you do makes sense for self-care across time and context. Even if there are ebbs and flows, it might work better to aim for it than to not. So regardless of how you integrate self-care into your life, I think we can all agree that self-care is truly important. Our mental and physical health are not only intertwined and impact one another, but they impact the very quality of our lived experiences. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, according to a report by the American Psychological Association, um, and the report is called Stress in America, since 2019, which feels like a century ago, um, really not too long ago. Right now it's 2024 in January. Since 2019, Americans in our country are feeling more stressed and experiencing an increase in both mental health and chronic health conditions. Uh, and roughly 25% of adults across all age groups report feeling stressed at a level of 8 out of 10. Okay, so 10 being like the most stressed you can subjectively report feeling. Um, 8 out of 10 is pretty high, and that's a quarter Mm. of our society right now. Wow. And the high stress level is reported by at least one third of parents with children under the age of 18 years old as well. So, you know, certainly have to acknowledge the the parental stress, which has always been there. You know, raising a child is one of the hardest things to do. You know, there's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of um, aspects that go into it. Uh, but certainly it seems like it's gotten even more in terms of the stress level for parents as well. Um I would say that any kind of caregiving is probably one of the toughest jobs to take on. Absolutely. Right. And, and the pandemic, as we know, uh, which was around, you know, 2020, uh, 2020 hindsight, we look back on that and we can see the effects of it. And some suggest, you know, the APA, the American Psychological Association is suggesting that we have residual trauma that we've mm-hmm. collectively experienced that we're still kind of grappling with and recovering from, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's such a long lasting type of experience, the stressful experience that we're still finding our equilibrium again. Um, and certainly life has changed a lot since then as well uh, in terms of how we you know, work and uh, with remote work and stuff like that. And let's not even get into the fact that the mental health crisis of our youth has been going on not just in the past couple of years, not just in the pandemic, as we talked about with our episode in Doctor, with Dr. David Langer, um, but this has been going on for the past decade or so, or past two decades that, you know, the mental health of our youth has certainly um, been been getting a bit, bit worse and worse uh, as time has gone by. There's theories about why that might be. Are we recognizing it more for kids and identifying it more, or is it truly getting worse? Um, you know, my opinion is probably both, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably a bit of both. There's could be truth on both sides of that. And so stress, mental and physical stress, no matter what it is, that stress is real, no matter who you are, no matter what you're feeling, you know, stress is stress. You know, as therapists, we're trained to see pain as pain, no matter who we're working with. Um, and so at the same time, we want to acknowledge some feel it worse than others. Um, but, you know, stress is certainly stress. Yeah. And perspective is everything. So what is stressful to one person may not be to the other or what we think might cause stress at some level might not for somebody else. So we need to just, you know, keep our scope wide and be empathetic as we're all going through these experiences together. So we hope that season three episodes provided or will provide, if you haven't listened to all the episodes yet, some guidance, idea, and food for thought that you can consider in your own life. And with the support of professionals that you may be or could be working with yourselves. And we really want to stress that 
as Jerry said before, that you don't need to do this on your own. Jerry and I are huge advocates, as you could imagine, of leaning in and leaning on each other and others that can be supportive, whether they're trained professionals, mentors, educators, family, friends, you know, a, a little bit of vulnerability and acceptance of community through communication and relationships is so important. So here we go into episode 10. So there's a reason why wellness and self-help and self-care in this industry is a tens of billions of dollars industry, right? All around the world, billions of dollars are spent each year on self-help and self-care. However, you know, all of the Adam Grants, Mel Robbins, Andrew Huberman's, Scott Perry Kaufman's, James Clear, Brene Brown, all of the people that I personally listen to and appreciate and have um, such respect for those books and podcasts will only take you so far, right? The, the books that you buy, the things you listen to, those are all great to get us the wisdom and information we need. But really the truth is that people who want to make these changes and incorporate self-care in their, into their life, this idea of personal growth is not about the people that you listen to or are informed by or inspired by. They can only give you some tips and advice. It's really up to us as individuals to take that next step to work towards personal growth. And personal growth can potentially develop as we get older and mature, right? Sometimes naturally some of this stuff comes online as we have more experiences, like we've said in many episodes. Sometimes those extra data points and interactions with our world and environment help to shape us as we learn and grow. But ultimately, when we want to be change agents in our own lives, mm. we need to think about what's most important to us. Right? And we can have all the support from the experts and people in the field and things that we open ourselves up to learn from. Maybe this podcast is one of those for you too. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's really about each of us understanding how we can activate our own change. And I want to just have this little disclosure that sometimes big changes aren't always necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a super reflective person that every day at the end of my day, I reflect a lot. It's probably what interferes with my sleep sometimes, to be honest. I reflect a lot and try to process, okay, how did things go today? What can I maybe tweak or change for the future? What was helpful? What was not? What do I want to leave behind? What do I want to work on? Mm. But some days it's like, okay, I just need to keep going. Right? I don't need to make big changes. So before we get into all of this, like how do we change and improve our lives, I really want us to acknowledge that sometimes we're okay being okay. And I'm going to say that multiple times throughout this podcast, because I think we as a society forget that, that sometimes we've gotten to a point that is good and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really appreciate what you said. And kind of going behind the curtain of being a therapist and supervising therapists and training, one of the main tenets that um, I think I have to convey to my students in training and that I'm supervising and also myself as a reminder is that change takes time. Mm. And and the people we work with in therapy, right? I said to my students, there's probably many, many people in their life who already have told them to change. <laughs> <laughs> so for you to say, hey, change. <laughs> You're just going to be another voice, right? That's not always the case though, right? There are some times when you have good wisdom, good conceptualization, good uh, understanding that's different than other people that can, people want advice, right? Sometimes people are like, well, I, I need a different way of thinking about this. And you suggest it and you suggest it and, and that, that really resonates and they do change and they make change, important changes, even if they're small. 
But at the same time, change is a whole process, right? And we have to remember it's a unique position to be in, to be patient, to first understand before trying to help someone change. Mm. You know, uh, Vince Lombardi, he's one of the best coaches ever, a long, long time ago for the Green Bay Packers. And I'm pretty sure he had a quote that said, you can't fix something you don't understand. Mm. And so, you know, I always, you know, one of my core tenets in therapy is first try to understand it. And you can't understand someone in one session fully, right? That takes time. And so as Alexis is saying, you know, reflect on yourself, you know, before you're trying to just jump into making a big change, reflect on yourself, try to understand the change you're trying to make, try to understand, like Alexis said, the barriers to having better self-care. And then thirdly, you know, there could be a process, you know, for me, sometimes people, you know, something they have to kind of go through something to, to really want to make the change fully mm. or to feel fully committed to it or to fully appreciate it, you know, and, and who knows where that comes from. It could be something bad happened, right? Or they get bad news or a bad experience and that's like a wake up call or maybe they just need to see it for themselves, right? Mm. Sometimes I'll ask my patients like, well, what do you think? You, you tell me what you think. You've been living with this your whole life. Mm. You know, you you tell me. And so, so to your point, Lex, and I'll, I'll stop here is, you know, it's a process. And as a therapist, we have a unique perspective to help create a context for people to change rather than just force people to change. And also like, I, I may not know the exact way to help someone to change, right? There could be so many nuances mm. I have to allow to come out in our sessions for them to communicate to me and to themselves too, to reflect on it, that maybe there's a nuance to change that really will help them, that that my idea that I had in that moment in the beginning was not the exact uh, way of helping them because there's more nuances that had to unfold and to be understood and to be uh, elucidated to, to really get to the core of it and to really help facilitate change that will last or or at least you know to, to take that first step to to make a change totally I often say to my clients students parents I work with educators I work with that I can guide and support you but you're really the captain of the ship on this journey right like ultimately yeah. it's up to you and individuals like we know ourselves better than anybody else and sometimes in a therapeutic situation or relationship people show up and they're they're still kind of behind a wall they don't always share everything mm -hmm. so even though you get a lot of information from an individual it doesn't mean you have the whole picture the whole story mm -hmm. and I think this is a really important important point to, to zoom in on in thinking about how we give feedback to people who maybe we can see from the outside maybe could benefit from a change or we're recognizing like, hey, that's not working well for you. Maybe there's another option that could work because when you said, oh, you need to change or in the uh, How to Be Present episode, we started out by saying, focus more, pay attention, be <laughs> present, right? That could be really abrasive to people. And in fact, that can do the absolute opposite of what the well-intentioned person in pointing that out might have intended to stimulate or to spark for the person that they're talking to. So really thinking about, you know, can we get curious in these situations when we notice that maybe a, a different approach is important? And I got to tie it back to executive functions because this is what I do. You know, sometimes being flexible in your thinking, both cognitively and psychologically, to be quite honest, it's a development, it's a skill that gets developed over time. And often at different points in our life, whether we are younger children who that part of our brain hasn't fully developed yet, we haven't practiced thinking flexibly, 
thinking about other options, seeing the bigger picture, or if we're really stressed or anxious or depressed in a moment where sometimes we can't see anything except for what's right in front of us or what's right in our mind that may or may not be accurate and true. Mm -hmm. So even being able to see the big picture to say, oh, this might be helpful for me to explore and investigate might be really difficult for people at different times. So, uh, you know, my recommendation, and I think you would agree too, Jers, get curious. You know, don't be condescending and questioning. Be careful about your delivery. But really, we can ask some good, helpful questions to help to get to the the individual that we notice might benefit from a change to acknowledge like, oh, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best approach. Maybe that didn't give me the desired goal that I was aiming for. Maybe there's something else I can do. I can't think of what that might be for myself. But let me ask somebody if maybe they can support us. Definitely. Yeah, because none of us, none of us are perfect, right? And and I'm going to take it a step further and say, be, treat yourself the same way. You know, like be okay with knowing that you're, you're not going to do everything that's healthy for you all the time. Or you're, you're going to maybe be, not have all the answers for yourself. Or maybe that what you're doing is not working for yourself. Like that's humility. And, you know, mm. sometimes, you know, think of big picture values that you can help guide the way that you think through things. And maybe humility could be one to say, like, look, uh, it's okay if I if I don't do things perfectly or if I make mistakes. Or I don't know yet. Or I don't know yet, right? The kind of the growth mindset, but mm-hmm. also just like humility that that allows you to um, process things clearly without the defensiveness, without that, uh, and to be open to what's right versus who's right, you know? Um, one of my favorite Buddhist principles is the fact that, like, we need to accept our own ignorance. Yeah, like we right. don't know what we don't know, and that's actually a part of being human. Yes, definitely. And that's how change actually happens, though, the irony of that, mm. um, right? You know, to, to admit that is actually what, because you can't be open to maybe the, the next best idea unless you can admit that your idea right now is not the, the one that's working. And this is complicated. It's not black and white, <laughs> right? Because, like, you may not get to the, 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 the best idea until you have conversations, you got to hash it out with people and go back and forth. Like, all right, I'm going to take like 30% of your idea. I'm going to take like 75% of my idea and maybe like 5% of this other idea. Like things can come together to make it work for you. So what, the reason I'm saying this is have a larger context that helps you to feel more grounded when you're trying to make changes. And, and again, like I said, a lot of times it's hard to look at the bigger picture. Some people literally have not developed that skill yet mm. or they haven't practiced that skill yet. And that makes sense. And that's why it's helpful to recruit somebody who is either a trained professional like you and I or somebody else. But, you know, looking at the big picture is a really important piece of this. And you know, you, you brought up values and that's exactly where I was headed, thinking about how dialectical behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy, especially really focus on the core tenet of understanding our values, right? The whole premise of that work um, is in embedded, you know, this idea of getting clear about your values and what's most important to you. Mm. You know, in, in my own work, my teacher guides me similarly to, to consider it through my meditation practice. You know, what are the key characteristics and categories of what makes up this map of me, which I really love that terminology that he uses. Um, and with my clients, I often have them use um, Scott Barry Kaufman's model that I've mentioned before here on the podcast of human needs and taking Maslow's work to a different level and leading towards transcendence. Like how do we actually continue to grow rather than constantly changing? I 
like this idea of transformation and growth mm. over the course of our life because that's naturally happening, like I mentioned before. But where do we have some agency of what that looks like across our life? So the idea of feeling safe and secure is really the thing that we want to be mindful of before we start to make any change in our lives, before we analyze and understand what self-care is, before we hit order or pay for the newest fad that we see on social media, right? We want to really take this moment and this time to assess what's important to us and what we need to be able to feel secure and safe and ready to take on any new challenge and change. Because like you say all the time, Jared, change and life are complex and challenging, right? Life is hard. <laughs> change is hard, but it doesn't have to be completely daunting. But if we can kind of take a step back and think about, okay, what are these things that allow for us to make these changes and where do we go from here? And again, this is where thinking about working with a professional, a mentor, a teacher, a friend to kind of do this assessment, have these discussions is so important. You know, you're, hint, you're hinting at a lot of different ways that we can take care of ourselves, different aspects of life, um, feeling secure, um, feeling a sense of belonging with other people. There's so many versions of it. So let, let's kind of uh, rewind a little bit and say, like, what are the practical steps? And I would say, and I think you'd agree, the first step is checking in with yourself. Mm. You know, to, to make any kind of change and to, to understand self-care in your life, you got to check in with yourself. And, and, you know, today's day and age, how technology is so much grabbing our attention. Lex, you talk about this a lot. Our attention is... Uh, manipulated and, and pulled in so many directions in a way that's a lot of times unconscious and just habitual and automatic. So, so the first thing is to, you know, if you want to really prioritize self-care, um, take back your attention, even if it's for a moment in time. You know, it doesn't have to be that you're like focused and in the present moment, as we said a couple episodes ago. You don't have to be present all the time. Mm. But at the very least, you got to prioritize it a little bit to be able to check in with yourself. And the reason checking in with yourself is so important, and it's kind of a lost art, is because you have a lot of wisdom in how you're feeling, mm -hmm. right? You know, we talked about this in the episode with, um, uh, in episode nine about physical health. You know, when I was teaching, uh, and uh, even when we're in our work day, if you're sitting down for the whole day, for like long, multiple hours, right? Sometimes people are at their work, uh, their workstation just sitting down, check in with your body. Your body may not feel right. Mm. That's not a problem. The, the, there isn't like checking in with how you're feeling. And if you're not feeling great, that that's not bad. So even emotionally, right? If you check in with yourself and you're feeling depressed or anxious or, or lonely or frustrated, checking in with yourself and feeling not great, feeling this kind of like, um, feeling like something's off or feeling uh, distressed, even stressed, it's not bad. Don't treat that as something bad. Treat that as, a, uh, as an opportunity mm -hmm. and also a challenge to yourself. Oh, this is an opportunity for me to see what do I need for myself? What is this telling me? So for instance, if you've been sitting all day and your body feels off and you feel drained, your energy is drained, that's great. Like, don't, don't be like, oh, this is terrible. Be like, oh, this is great. Now mm -hmm. I know I mm -hmm. need to get up and just walk around, you know, like, so that, like, I'll just take a lap around the office space, <laughs> find reasons to walk. I'm like, let me just gulp down my entire water bottle. So I have a reason to go get more water uh, for the office. So, so checking in with yourself, essential. 
I, I think that's so important. And if we go back to the boat metaphor, like we don't always pay attention to that navigation board that often like on a boat or in a car or on your cell phone even is like, oh, you're running out of this. You know, your your battery power is low or maybe, you know, maybe your guidance and navigation. I'm not a boating professional. Somebody else can take this metaphor in a better way than I. But, you know, thinking about how a navigation panel might give you a signal that says, hey, something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you need to chart a different path or be aware of, you know, the something that's ahead that maybe you can't see it's underwater, right? That's like all of these signals that you're describing. They're inside of us that unless we press pause mm-hmm. to be able to say, okay, what do we need right now? Mm-hmm. We can potentially just keep going. And this is where burnout comes from mm-hmm. when we're not checking in, when we're not noticing. But then the opposite is true that sometimes when we overcheck, that could actually make us more anxious. <laughs> Yeah. And more distracted. Fair, right? That there's nuance to it. That's fair. And the other thing too is, you know, so important is that when we think about sensory perception, right? Some people think there's there's five different senses, but we also have these internal senses as well, which um we'll go into in a different episode. Mm-hmm. But just noticing that like sometimes we need a cue or a prompt to say, Hey, are you tired? Is your body stiff because you've been sitting all day? Are you hungry? Are you full? Are you thirsty? (laughs) Our brain signals sometimes can get crossed. And when we're actually thirsty, we might feel hungry. We might start snacking. Or when we're tired, we should be napping, but we start snacking. Like all these signals can get crossed and make us think we need different things than we actually need. Yeah, that is 100% true, right? Right, exactly, right? Are you you stressed and are you really hungry or are you just stressed? Yeah. You know, or tired, that's my thing. tired, for sure, right? <laughs> or, or any other addiction that people can fall into, right? You yeah. know, I always ask people when they have addictive challenges, I'm like, what emotion were you feeling before that happened, before yeah. you kind of went to the addiction, whatever it was? There's plenty of versions of it. It's not just drugs and alcohol, right? There's plenty of addictions people can fall into. And I always ask, what's the emotion? And so, Lex, you also said something that was really important. You said, it's not always good to constantly check in on ourselves, mm. right? That could become obsessive. Yes. And like, if I'm working with an athlete and I'm trying to help them with their anxiety, Anxiety, you know, I'm not going to say like, okay, when you're dribbling the ball up the court, and it's like the beginning of the second half of the game. I'm not going to tell them like, okay, just stand there and check in to see how your anxiety is feeling while the, <laughs> while, while the defensive player comes and steals the ball from you. It's right. like, all right, um, you know. And but for that reason, the point I'm trying to make here is that it is important to check in with yourself a lot, but it's also important to strategize. Yeah. You know, when you're not in these situations, a lot of self-care is pulling back. Let's use the sports metaphor, right? The, the, the coach is going to call timeout and say, hey, let's regroup and strategize mm. so that you have a plan to kind of know how to respond in these situations rather than, than just react. That's, that's a great example of like that lighthouse kind of like shining a light on like, oh, maybe we need to do something different. Let's strategize. Let's let's zoom out for a minute instead of just being in it. This is why we said before that like being too present sometimes isn't good because we might miss something else that might be helpful for us. Right. Or focusing on maybe the wrong things when you are being present. Oh, great point. Yeah, for sure. Like you had said um, before. And so even when th- there's so many engaging, amazing TV shows, movies, right? We have access to it. I still cannot believe that you put your TV on and you just through the internet get all these movies. I was reflecting on this because you got me that book, How Does the Internet Change Our Brain? Uh I started like flipping through it. I'm like, I went back in time. I'm like, 
I couldn't, I don't think I could have ever imagined that the internet would be so powerful that you have anything you want that just pops up on your screen. Like we used to go to Blockbuster to rent a movie <laughs> or have to like wait for like TGIF to come on a Friday night. Can we bring that back? <laughs> it's so fascinating though. Things yeah. have changed so rapidly, you know? So quickly. And the internet just keeps getting faster and more powerful. And it's like, where is this heading? My and God. It, and it changes our brain. And, you know, that's a little bit of a plug for more to come about understanding attention and how the internet and screens have changed our brains and changed our attention and our focus and the way we show up in the world. So it's it's so important to think about that. I often say that, you know, we prioritize and we give our attention to the things we see most of, mm-hmm. right? And that's, you know, a big part of marketing, right? Mm-hmm. The more you see something, the more you hear it, the more you're going to think that's the thing that's important. I had a great conversation with a student the other day mm-hmm. about history and he was doing uh, an exploration on Egypt. Mm. And he said, oh, one of the greatest discoveries was King Tut's tomb. Mm. And I asked him, I said, why do you think that was one of the greatest discoveries? And we dug a little deeper mm-hmm. to learn. I don't know if anybody else knows this in the audience. To learn that most of the other Egyptian tombs were actually looted back in ancient days. Oh. That like they couldn't find anything because most of those tombs had already been mm. robbed. Wow. Right? So the discovery of King Tut's tomb was so important in Maybe that's why it's such a big part of history is because we we know about it. But there's so many other things we don't know about that might have been equally important, maybe more important. I don't know. But the same thing happens in present day that like the more we see something, the more we hear about it, the more we think that's the thing that's important. Okay, let, let me expand on that then. And I, I thought a lot about like, what is what is it like to be in a virtual reality? Oof, yeah. So like we are subtly in a virtual reality by being on our phones all the time and Mm. being on social media, right? Because it's not a reality that exists with our eyes around us and our, our, and our senses around us. Mm. It's something that we're almost imagining Mm -hmm. through perception, Mm -hmm. right? We're, we're seeing an image, we're seeing videos, right? It's not actually happening, right? Right. It, it's literally not happening. <laughs> it like is and it isn't. There's like there's like this delay. And right. it's funny because like in normal times, like if there's a, a sporting game you're watching and there's a delay, we get frustrated. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but in this digital reality, p- people are delayed. And I will actually say that it benefits some people because they have a pause to think and organize their thoughts before they contribute. For sure. For sure. But like in, in the present moment, physically, it's yeah. not happening. I just want to make that clear. Right. Physically, in your presence, it's not happening. It's happening either somewhere else yeah. or it happened in the past and it was recorded. So I'm trying to like meditate on this. I'm like, what 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 is this like for people? And to your point, your attention becomes what's important to you. Mm. And I think this is the reason why, you know, people have such a... This can really affect relationships. Totally. Because... It becomes so much more important to look at this virtual reality than it is the people around you. And I think that's why, you know, it could impair social skills, relationships. It could impair, you know, so much of life is tuning into the present moment to see, like, you know, how do you communicate well with people? How do you engage in in a fun, silly way with people, um, which requires presence and nuance and and empathy and understanding each other and noticing things around you that you're experiencing. And so, you know, I'm afraid that that could be lost um, as time goes on and we get more embedded in this kind of, uh, this reality that's not tangibly in front of us, that's not with us. And if we don't notice it, we're going to think it's normal, right? We normalize things. And so, again, pull back and tune in with yourself. Because I think there's a reason why if you watch TV shows for 
five episodes in a row, which is like five hours, mm. which I can never do. I get through one episode or two, and I'm like, oh my god, like I have to go do something else now. <laughs> it's because I'm trying to tune in. I think we have to try to tune into how we feel mm. um, when we do these things, and to say like, oh, I feel drained. You know, mm. I was talking to a kid. Uh, I talk to ki- people about. I talk to patients about this, right? When you play video games for like seven hours straight, how do you feel after? Right. You feel drained. I think it's because you're just not in reality. You're also not moving your body. But I'm, I'm wondering what that's doing to our bodies. And you have always told me, the, the kids you work with say, I kind of love social media, but also hate it. Yeah, totally. And and there's there's a lot of experiments going on around the world, I think, um, which I'm excited to see more of the research on later, where there are spaces that do not allow technology, mm. right? There's some schools that have... Um, taken away smartphones and kind of integrated in a way to communicate, but it's not as interactive as a smartphone is. There are some schools that don't have technology at all. You know, it's funny that the folks in Silicon Valley are, you know, if you if you read or listen to any of the interviews with some of the people who've developed a lot of this technology, they mm-hmm. don't let their children interact with this technology. Mm-hmm. And there's so much great research on thinking about how, you know, before, you know, as, to- as infants and toddlers, like they really shouldn't be interacting with screens. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's changing the structure and the development of their brain in a different way. Mm-hmm. But again, like you said, like this didn't exist at this level 20 years ago. No. Right? So, or for or the entirety of our human existence. <laughs> right. But the, the the children and the individuals who grew up with this, yeah, it's a different reality for them. This is just their That's reality. That's their life. Exactly. You're born into it. Can you imagine? You're right. Born in, okay. So let me just pause and say, we're not anti-technology. No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. So like, please. <laughs> As I have my iPad in front of me with my notes. <laughs> technology has done some incredible things. Medicine has done some incredible things for helping people. That, like like right now, you're listening to this because of technology. Yeah. You know, um, t- there's so much. You can learn so much. Like there's so many be- Everything has pros and cons, though. Like totally. just to be realistic about life, it's not just technology. It's it's almost everything in life has pros and cons if you were to think critically about it. And when we think about self care, it's like it's the same concept. It's like if you do too much of anything, it's probably not going to be the best for you. Like if you're only going to focus in, like, oh, I'm just going to exercise like three times a day, and I'm, that's the thing I'm going to do to work on my own self care and mm-hmm. to have my wellness at the level I want to be, or I'm just going to focus on this one thing. Like sometimes one thing is a good start and an entry point, yeah. but if that's what you're going to obsess on and constantly checking in with, mm-hmm. the same way it's not great to constantly check in with our phones and our technology all day long because yeah. it's distributing our attention, which attention, you know. So many experts in the field are using this language, which I love. It's like attention and I would say time too are our greatest resources. Mm. How are we using it? How are we prioritizing it? Why are we giving so much of it away? Mm. I think we miss so much of what's happening around us when we're just constantly looking down. We're constantly checking. If I had students who are constantly checking their work as much as they're checking their phones and their notifications, <laughs> I think we would have a whole different learning landscape than oh, we do today. Wow. Well, <laughs> I said it. Wow, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I mean, well, some. Some have anxiety and they do actually check too much. Too much, but that's the point. We can't do too much. We don't want to do too little. We kind of have to find the place in the middle. Yeah, and when yeah, we yeah. think about self-care, often the answer lies in the middle. Well, well, Barry said that, um, Dr. Spearing, last episode about physical health, you mentioned this. If you, if you exercise too much, your body actually doesn't get more strong in, mm. um, in terms of performance and strength because you're not recovering. Yes. And he was saying, you know, once you get to a point of building up your strength and performance, you 
you you maintain that with you don't have to do as much yeah uh, in terms of uh, length of time that doing more is could actually injure you or just not give you the benefits you're, you're hoping for that's not how the body works it needs recovery totally and you know I love what Dr. Wu said in our episode on sleep specifically you know she was such an advocate for naps and I loved mm. hearing her say this and I know you're an advocate for naps yourself too mm-hmm. but you know I, I shared this at a school that I was doing professional development with earlier this week and I said you know it looks like we're all pretty tired today at the end of the day on a Monday, end of January, 2024. I said, you know, one of the things that actually helps us to replenish our attention and our focus, like literally biophysically helps to like, it helps to monitor the blood flow to our brain and the oxygenation of our brain is to rest. Mm. And I shared what Dr. Wu said about when she grew up in China that, you know, everybody at a certain time of the day, including teachers, needed to go home and take a nap yeah. before they continued their day, they continued their learning, they continued their work. And pretty much everybody was like silently cheering. I saw everybody's face light up like, oh, we should do that too. <laughs> and I, I totally agree. I wish our society would would adopt that more and to really prioritize rest. I know that when I prioritize it, I benefit from it. And sometimes we get caught up in the things we are passionate about. And that's, I think, the challenge of balancing growth and expansion in our own lives. When we find purpose and passion, like we are so blessed to have found in our work in our lives, Chair, that like sometimes that doesn't feel like work and we just keep going and we don't pay attention. And this is, you know, what self-care is all about. It's really about Paying attention, reflecting, and refining. Pay attention, reflecting, and refining. All right, so we, we covered a lot here. Um, I, I made a list of some things you can do for self-care. This is not like a checklist. I know there's you can, you can <laughs> do an internet search of self-care. You get like probably 100,000 things. Can I just say to you before you go through this, I love, I love this because it's so practical and important. And the thing that I both love and it, and it like irks me a little bit too is when people say, just tell me what to do. <laughs> It's like, when in your life do you listen to when people tell you what to do? (laughs) Right? I hear this all the time. And I hear this from the educational sector more than you would imagine, where the teachers are like, this is great. I understand to understand the psychoeducation behind what's happening for the students and what their experience is. And that's so important. But just tell me how to fix it, how to do it. And I'm like, well, it's not about a thing. So all these things you're about to list, we know are helpful. They're scientifically and empirically based. And they're not going to work for everybody all the time. No, and so so <laughs> so here here's so so this list is more of a way of thinking creatively. I appreciate that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so to your point, this is more like think outside the box for yourself. So here's some like practical examples. Okay, a massage would be nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Or like you said in the last episode, using a a foam roller. Give yourself a massage. You just took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) Okay, right? Okay. Or or maybe save some money up and get a massage chair or even like the ones that just fit in the back of your chair that are that are portable, right? That are cheaper. Um, if you have the means for that and the even resources. Even just lumbar support sometimes helps your body. How you're sitting, a good chair makes a difference. Yeah, like, to, you know, if, you know, obviously, you know, finances is important. So, you know, maybe you need to take time to save up or, or something like that. But Or you could even just roll a towel behind your back. You don't actually have to purchase something new too. Mm. But consider, like, I think the point in the, the psychoeducation behind this and thinking about your body physiologically, like, Mm-hmm. makes a difference. For sure. Cool. 
All right, next one. Um, big music concerts, right? Let's say you want to go see Taylor Swift. Um, I don't know how much Taylor Swift concert tickets are. Quite a uh, lot, I've been told. Um, Celtics games, I wanted to go. I'm like, wow. Um, so, so like, let's say you 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 know you can't get maybe logistically you just can't get to a big music concert. You want to mm. see your favorite. Well, like some other option. What are some other options? Would you say? I I think the beauty of living in or around the Boston area is that there's free music, concerts, performances all the time. Or cheaper ones. Or cheaper ones, you know, going to your community library, seeing what events are there, whether it's music or listening to a speaker. That's, I think, the beauty of being in a community is to actually check in with some of the events and things that are there, which also reinforces this idea of community, which we'll talk more about in next season too. Definitely. Go, go see a local band that's playing, whether they're playing cover music or or, uh, the, or original music. You can go see Frog Salon, <laughs> Mike Madeira, our producer right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the Boston area. But there, there, you know, there's musicians everywhere, right? Yeah. Maybe in your area, there's not musicians that you're into or or your, your job or, or, or a wide variety, but there, there's certainly local musicians. They play at, you know, local pubs and so and so forth coffee shops, even, you know, places of spiritual worship too, right? Whether it's, you know, orchestral music or choir music, so many beautiful options. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And and maybe even just as simple as, you know, saving up for a speaker system in your house, Yeah, (laughs) you know, just jamming out and listening to your favorite music, making a playlist, like, you know, make your favorite, make a bunch of playlists, Mm. you know, um, Back in the day when we had CD burners and I would just make like all these really cool playlists that I would give them to people and stuff because I'm like, you know, music is important. It really is. There's different ways of doing it. So find your way. And like we said about in the communication episode about sharing meals and communicating together, I think, you know, making a playlist is also a great point of conversation, which can connect you to people and you can communicate that way too. Yes, absolutely. And next season, we're going to interview some musicians and talk about how, you know, brings a sense of community and so forth. It's going to mm-hmm. be great. I'm so excited about that. All right. How about eating at nice restaurants, right? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, you, you know, you just, you're not able to get to a, one of the finest restaurant in, in the country or the, the town or the city, but what are some other options would you say like? We talked about this on the presence episode. When we were in grad school, we were scrappy and we would try to find the best restaurants where we can get the best deals, but also had the best bread options Mm -hmm. because oftentimes, usually not everywhere these days, sometimes you have to pay for the bread apparently. But when we were in grad school, we would find the places with the best bread and the meals we would have, we would truly appreciate them. The the term you coined, which I love is like, this is an eye closer, close, shut down as many senses as you can and just focus on the taste of what you're eating. So, or you can prepare a meal at home, which is also practicing your executive function skills, going through the steps, prioritizing, think about that process of creation. Um, and there is a creative aspect to that too, which is really nice. Definitely. It's an art. You know, people who like cooking, they, they always say like, sometimes they like it better than baking because they can kind of play around with it, do their mm. own version of it. Uh, so learn and look, technology, hey, benefit of technology, pull up YouTube. You can get any recipe you could ever think of. Really, yeah. Oh my God. Like yeah. we could just make one up right now. I don't want to do that because it might turn out <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> Jerry has a tendency of adding some very interesting ingredients when he cooks, but they always come out great. It's, I am impressed by his uh, curiosity and creativity. It's experimentation. Sometimes not great, sometimes great. <laughs> um, but that's the fun part. So, okay, there you go. So there's another idea. Um, you know, vacations, right? You know, you can't afford vacations or you don't have the time for it. There's plenty of ways to create joy. And, you know, one of the things about life is people are different. 
people are similar and they're different at the same time, right? We're all human, which makes us similar. We have similar emotions. We have similar, uh, you know, experiences as being human, uh, what it's like to be human. But we're also different and people are different in personality, life experiences, environment, culture, all that stuff. And so let's Preferences, say, interests. Pre- preferences. So, so many, so, so find what works for you, but, you know, think back to, you know, being a kid, right? By the way, kindergartners take naps. <laughs> like, let's not forget that. Let's go. Kindergarten Kinderg- mindset. I kin- like it. Kindergarten, like, they, they have fun doing the silliest things. Oh, oh, share the story about the raindrop. Oh, this is so great. Okay, so, you know, we're trying to stay away from, like, the things that you've heard a million times in social media about, like, how to take care of ourselves. But there's something, some things that are so simple that we're trying to shed a light on. And one of the things I do with the clients I work with is is helping them to just press pause. There's a lot of research shows that, like, if you can actually quiet your mind, quiet your bodies, you can show up and activate your executive functions and be able to take on challenges. So I've been practicing with a lot of my clients to be able to just press pause, close your eyes, and just just be for one minute. So I practice this in my office with my clients and I give them a challenge to go home and practice this on their own. And one of my students came in, um, this is a sixth grader who I've known for a while and is so creative and was so into this challenge that he said, I got up to like two or three minutes. And he said, one day it was raining. And instead of closing my eyes and just focusing on my breathing, I was just looking out the window and it was raining this day. And I noticed that there were raindrops that were coming down the window. And the thing I was paying attention to was how quickly the raindrops were going. And all of a sudden, he starts telling me this story that he's narrating about these names. And it took me a second to follow. And all of a sudden, (laughs) he told me that he was naming the raindrops that were racing to see who would get to the bottom. And he's like, out of nowhere, I don't know if this is the name. He's like, Pablo or Peter or something. Peter all of a sudden came out of nowhere and then won. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then it came together that he was watching the rain trickle down the window. And that was his moment of mindfulness, of just like being, just noticing and not really focused on too, too much, right? And it was the most beautiful thing. And it was the greatest story. And so, you know, in these moments when we're trying to find times for self-care, even if we're aiming to just be or do nothing, bring a little joy to it. See, Look through a child's eyes or a child's mindset to think about what would you notice if you've never noticed something before? Yeah, definitely. Love that. Um, okay, so there's, there's different ways, different versions. You got to do what works for you is is kind of the main point here. And I love the idea that you shared <clears throat> that, you know, babies and dogs aren't the only beings that exist that require routines to thrive. Oh, right. Yeah, that is true, right? <laughs> you know, routine is important. Um, and uh, you don't want to have too much structure in your life that you become kind of suffocated by it or limited by it. But certainly, you know, self-care could be just creating more routine in your life. Uh, more structure, and that can kind of calm things down, um, certainly. Yeah, and on the how to de-stress with EF, when we think about executive function, you know, the behaviors related to those cognitive skills is like, how do we organize things? How do we establish a plan that's going to be helpful? How do we give ourselves time to unwind so we could recharge ourselves and be ready for whatever comes next? So some of the real quick tips that, you know, are known in my work and with my clients as alexisms are like, how do we 
uh, we can't always predict, but we can plan, right? And in planning, we can have a little bit of a routine. And I love a good nighttime routine to prepare for the mornings. We hear all the time that not everybody is a morning person, right? And sometimes mornings are rushed or tricky. Mm. And especially if you have children or you have to get to work or you have to get to school or whatever the case might be. Taking a few minutes in the evening to prepare what you need for the morning helps to reduce so much stress and anxiety because it's all ready for you. Mm. Whether you're meal prepping and, you know, getting your lunch ready or having breakfast Mm. or your coffee set, if that's what you do, or your shoes by the door, or you choose your outfit the night before, Mm -hmm. those are all things that you don't have to do first thing in the morning that you're not necessarily automizing that your brain's turned off, but you're minimizing the amount of choices you need to make in a potentially more stressful situation to make the ease of starting your day feel a little bit better. Yeah. And so here's like a, a, a simple, um, outside of the box. It's, here's a simple way of doing it too. You can do it the reverse way. So w- one day I thought to myself, you know, I'd like to have a little bit more time. The, <clears throat> I'd like to have some more time in the morning. I kind of really enjoy the mornings mm. where I get to just take my time, you know, listen to music, do, do my thing, make breakfast and, and kind of just ease into the day. Mm. So I'm like, why don't I just go to sleep 15 minutes or 20 minutes earlier so I can wake up 15 or 20 minutes earlier? Such a novel idea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true, right? And and again, what we prioritize, what we value, what we find helpful for us, we can make little tweaks. You know, 15-minute adjustments, you know, in the grand scheme of things isn't a huge change. Mm-hmm. And maybe you shut down a little earlier. Maybe you have a cutoff time for your electronics or your social media. I have a timer on my social media of how much time I can actually engage with it, whether it's for work or for connecting with friends or learning information, whatever it is. I only have so much of it, right? I'm trying to be a little bit more mindful of creating those boundaries around my time so I can expand my own resources and replenish when I need to. Maybe you have a routine at night that's helpful to wind down. This is something that you know, we talked about with Dr. Wu that we don't take enough time to process our day. And sometimes that keeps us up at night. So paying attention to all that is so important. Whatever your routine may be and in my work and in your work and many professionals work and hopefully integrated more in the schools and the workforce to be able to prompt people to pay attention to your morning and evening routine. How we start and end our day can really determine you know, our own wellness throughout the day and how we show up, how well we do, what we do, and how we interact with others. Absolutely, Lex. So important. Another simple way that you can self you another simple way you can self-care. Let's let's make it a verb. <laughs> We're gonna make it a verb. We're self-caring now. <laughs> another, another way you can self-care is you can do this any time every day. Um you can simply Check in with your body and just give yourself permission to relax. Yeah. And say like, okay, let me release some of the tension. Just notice the tension, like a body scan, release it. But but most importantly, just remind yourself in this present moment, there is no catastrophe. Mm. Things are okay right now. Most of the time, most. Right. And there's sometimes when like there's problems, there's crises and you know, this doesn't apply, right? But- there's so much time in our lives where we worry and we ruminate mm. it's too much. 
And a lot of the things we were in ruminating about, they don't even happen. Or it turns out it was kind of a waste of time to think so much about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not neglecting, like it, like I said in the other episodes, it's important to worry and think, right? That's adaptive. It helps us to it's problem solve. And, signals that and tell us to pay attention. To, to prepare, right? But as we said, like there's, there's limits to things. And sometimes you do too much of it, it's not healthy anymore. So every now and then, you know, it's almost like um, relief. Relief is an underrated emotion. Mm. Just take a deep breath and just be like, you know what, right now, like, here I am, I'm okay. Like, nothing terrible is happening right now. Isn't that nice? You know, it's like, for me, it's like eating an olive. Like, olives are so underrated. I'm like, yeah, enjoy this olive. It's like, just an olive is just Mindful so eating. underrated. Mindful eating. Yeah, you know, and I, one of my other Alexisisms is this idea of, like, checking in with what you need. And one of my students actually named it AAA. Right. So what do we need? Do we need a breath, a break or assistance? And sometimes that breath, you know, I was thinking about this other day when we panic, sometimes like you're like gasping mm-hmm. for air. Mm-hmm. And and that's really prompting us to breathe. Mm-hmm. Right. Can we maybe proactively notice when these stressors start to come up? And sometimes it's easier than others. But can we proactively notice in our bodies what we feel when we're starting to get overstressed or we're anticipating a stressful moment? And think about, okay, what do I, what can I do in this moment? And I always say, one of the best things that we could do, it's so simple, it's free, <laughs> really doesn't require much. You could do it in a lot of different ways, thinking about universally designed, multiple means of representation. You could write, you could record, you can draw, whatever you want. What's a list of things you know help you to feel good? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could be anything. It mm-hmm, could be mm-hmm. looking up at the sky. It could be, you know, when I go to the ocean, just seeing the water mm. makes my whole body feel differently. Yeah, notice it. Listening to music, connecting with somebody you care about or love, eating a good meal, all these things, like list it all out. So we encourage you to do this. You know, we're not going to tell you what those things are that bring you joy or make you feel good or lead to your own version of self-care, mm-hmm. but list out all the things that you know help and give yourselves maybe categories of like, this is something I can do in a moment. Mm-hmm. Just like the AAA, a breath only takes a moment. You know, a break maybe is a few minutes mm-hmm. or longer, depending on what you have available to you. And assistance maybe requires the recruitment of somebody else to help you, yeah, so you or to be with you. feel like you have to take everything on by yourself, which is relief again. It's like, yeah. oh, maybe I need more information or maybe I need someone to, to take this part or, prior, or delegate or something. Yeah. yeah, and co-regulation, I think, is something that is often underutilized. Yeah, or it could be misinterpreted as codependence. Yeah, great point. I mean, that's the extreme version of it, right, which could become unhealthy for sure. Totally, but, but like co-regulating and like asking for a hug. asking for a suggestion when you feel stuck. Oftentimes we stay in our own heads. Like you said before, we get fixated on like, I can't do this myself. Therefore I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, when I see like two grown men talking about like their stressors in their life, like ever see, I was like, wow, that didn't, I don't know how much that happened in the past, but like, how great is that? They're like talking about their feelings, about their experiences and stuff, which is probably why I have, you know, quite a few male patients, you know, and I'm like, this is great, you know, open up, let's talk about it. They're like, I'm like, how do you feel now that you've talked about this? I always ask that question. I'm like, have you talked to anybody about this? Yeah. Ever? Yeah, you know the 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 nuance, which by the way, it takes time to really get to the the deeper levels of like what they really feel, what they really mean, and they're like, no, I'm like, and I always ask this, how do you feel now? Like, oh, it feels good. 
Yeah, regardless of your gender, you know, I think that there's a lot of societal stigma around sharing different parts of yourself. Definitely, and not just men, yeah. You know, it's so important. And this is one of the benefits, I think, of social media is there's there's a really great podcast and social media site called Man Enough. I hope to have, um, uh, you know, the hosts come on and talk about this too, because I think you and he would relate to it that, you know, there's so many things that sometimes don't get discussed. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the world of psychology, this is what turned me on to Scott Barry Kaufman's work, essentially, is that he mentioned the word love in the realm of psychology, right? How often do you think about love or talk about love in a psychological therapeutic relationship? Mm. It often doesn't come up, but I think love is a, a big part of building trust and having respect and going through this journey of growth. It is a part of Maslow's hierarchy, too, mm-hmm. going back to what we were talking about. And being able to both share and receive love is mm. sometimes a really difficult thing to do. I agree 100%. And um, many of my songs that I've written and produced with my producer, Mike Medora, by the way, who's an incredible guy. Um, <laughs> love the shout <laughs> So use, true. Use the word love or, or talk about the concept of love so much so that I'm like, I can't overdo it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But well, it's like, important. And the concept is nuanced. There's a lot to what you know love could, could mean to people. I think it's so important. And, you know, just bringing it back to the practicality, you know, in self-care and really starts in understanding ourselves and having love and respect for ourselves, which we can have, you know, week-long conversations about. But just to mention, you know, some people are like, self-love is a little bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. But what are different versions and levels of love that make sense for you, yeah. where you can appreciate yourself, where you can recognize that doing things that help you help you to show up in the world and the things you do and the relationships you have in a little different way and help you to going back to the sailboat metaphor, you know, pave that path, navigate the waters that you embark upon to be able to think about how to shift and adjust when needed, changing the sails, being open to the winds of change coming to guide you. All of this is so important. And giving the the space and time to do this work, whether it's five minutes at the end of your day where you're just reflecting on your day, that's a point of self-care. Being able to ask for help or support or guidance, that's self-care. Having an extra drink of water, getting a good night's sleep, nurturing your body with good nutritious foods, exercising, moving your body you know, recruiting the wisdom and guidance of a trained professional, being a little bit of a planful, preparing for whatever may or may not come up, all the things that we discussed about in season three, and we often come back to in the podcast in general, are all helpful. So make that list, categorize when and where these different things might be helpful, and really tune in to what makes sense for you in the here and now, and what works for you today might not be the best option later and be open to that change too and not be so hard on yourself as you're trying to show up to be the best or just the most okay version of yourself in any given day. Yeah, yeah. Like let go of the judgments while you're doing this. Mm. You know, just accept things for what they are. Accept yourself for who you are. No, but everybody has strengths and vulnerabilities. And if you don't accept that, you're not going to do anything to help yourself because... T- Here's the thing, to change is to admit that you have vulnerabilities, mm. you see? So like, if you, to, to change is to admit that there's something that 
you can judge. So that's why I'm saying take the judgment out of it. Mm. Because if you're changing, you're basically admitting that there's something that is not working for you that you're doing or about yourself. And so like that could make people feel like, oh, I don't, that, that's going to prove that everybody telling me to change is right. I, I want to prove that. I don't want them to be right mm-hmm. about things I've been doing that are not healthy for me. Or I don't want to admit that I'm not perfect or that I have vulnerabilities by changing, right? There's a there's kind of a dynamic there that is underappreciated. So my advice um, in therapy and with people is like, just humanize yourself. Like you said, love yourself unconditionally. And and naturally, you will make changes just naturally because it's going to make sense. There's not a judgment. There's not these power dynamics between you and other people. Just naturally, you'll just do what makes sense for you when you can appreciate and love yourself unconditionally. Yeah. And if, it, if we're being proactive, preventative, and planful, I think we could make little tweaks as we continue to grow and be a part of our own journeys and joining others. I think it's a really beautiful thing. And We're here for it. We're here with you. And we look forward to sharing more information on the podcast and also through our social media. If you want to listen to some songs of love, music therapy. (laughs) And on my my Instagram page, I'm sharing more and more of some of these tips that might be helpful and that might inspire and guide you in your journey and whatever you might need. And please feel free to share some of the things that resonate with you. We would love to hear from you. You can pop into our social media, share things that you want to hear more about, things that resonate for you, things that you like, things that you want to challenge, all of the things. I think it's really helpful for us to engage in these discussions. You know, Jerry and I do this work because it's not one-sided and because things are complex and we need to hear different perspectives, different expertise. And, mm-hmm. you know, we encourage you to explore Right. And just, know just do it respectfully. Do it respectfully. <laughs> but explore for yourself and figure out what you need in, in this stage of your journey. And uh, we're grateful for you to be a part of ours. This has definitely been my self-care is doing this with you. And just so what a, what a joy this has been to do the podcast with you. So thank you. And in every great challenge, it's important to find and appreciate the joy. Yes, you grow through challenges. And by the way, before we end, take good care of yourself, Lex. <laughs> Thanks, Jer. I appreciate it. Take care. And take care. And as we like to sign off, be curious, be open, and be well. Thanks for tuning in to the Read Connected podcast. Please remember that this is a podcast intended to educate and share ideas, but it is not a substitute for professional care that may be beneficial to you at different points of your life. If you are in need of support, please contact your primary care physician, local hospital, educational institution, or support staff at your place of employment to seek out referrals for what may be most helpful for you. Ideas shared here have been shaped by many years of training, incredible mentors, research, theory, evidence-based practices, and our work with individuals over the years, but it's not intended to represent opinions of those we work with or who we are affiliated with. The Reconnected podcast is hosted by siblings Alexis Reed and Dr. Gerald Reed. Original music is written and recorded by Gerald Reed. Editing and recording was done by Cybersound Studios. If you want to follow along on this journey with us, the Reconnected podcast will be releasing new episodes every two weeks each season. So please subscribe for updates and notifications. Feel free to also follow us on Instagram at Podcast. That's Read Connect Ed podcast and Twitter at Read Connect Ed. We are grateful for you joining us and look forward to future episodes. In the meanwhile, be curious, be open, and be well. Mm-hmm.